And thank you, Tony, for that introduction. Tony is a dear friend, great leader in our state. I assist so many pastors and churches and is making an incredible difference. So it's good to be with you again. And then uh, my friends, Bob and Debbie Crow, we had the opportunity to serve together. I said when they were about 13 years old, uh, back at Hebron Baptist Church years ago, and the new Bob before that, he was a prayer partner of mine. He was down at Bowl Springs Baptist, and I was at Hebron Baptist, and, and we would meet together, and we would pray together for one another and for our churches, and uh, I know God has and is using them greatly here at First Baptist, so it's, it's so good to see you again. We were com comparing notes. You know, now uh, we're in that stage of life when we get together, it's all about grandchildren. Uh, I told him, I said, if I'd known my grandchildren were going to be this great, I'd have skipped my kids. <laughs> I'd have gone straight to the grandkids. I mean, they're wonderful. And you know, I have a, I have a commandment. I, I've added to the commandments, and my commandment is let grandchildren do whatever they want to do. <laughs> I'm going to send them home to mom and dad. They got to straighten out the mess. I just let them do whatever. Uh, our daughter, whose husband is a pastor, said to me one day, said, Dad, you didn't let me do this. I said, you weren't my grandchild. <laughs> Enough said. But uh, it is good to see them. And it is such an honor today to stand in this pulpit where my friend, your pastor, preaches every Sunday God's Word. Your pastor is one of the most respected pastors and leaders in our state. And... Um, he helps so many young pastors uh, through his counsel, through his coaching, and just through his encouragement. And he's a dear friend, and it's an honor to stand here today and preach. When they, when they put the mic on me, I said, is this Pastor Fred's mic? And they said, yes. I said, so it's got about an hour and 20-minute sermon in it. Is that, is that, is that right? And uh, then they reminded me they do have a mute button back there, so uh, I, I, I won't do that. Well, this morning, from James chapter 1, the passage that Tony read, I want to talk about behaving what we believe, living out what we believe about this book. You know, every one of us in this room, I believe, would say, that we believe that the Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God. It is God's Word without error. Uh, when I was ordained as a young pastor, my pastor was uh, good to me, and he, he said to me just before the ordination council, you know, back then you were grilled for about an hour, an hour and a half by men who had been in the ministry for a long, long time. And uh, he said, now, someone in this room today is going to ask you this question. Does the Bible contain the Word of God? And you really need to think about your answer. And as I thought about that, I realized this. The Bible does not contain the Word of God. The Bible is the Word of God. From Genesis to Revelation, or as one of my pastor friends said when he was first called to ministry, he had just been saved and then called to ministry. He said, I believe it from Genesis to the maps. I believe it's all God's Word. And it is. And, and, and we love to say that as, as evangelical Christians and as Baptists, that we believe the Word of God. And that is important. But folks, listen to me very carefully. It's even more important that we behave the Word of God. It's not enough just to believe it. 
It's not enough just to stand on the validity of this book. We must behave what we believe. Folks, I, I, I'm going to just share with you this morning, I'm just being transparent. I believe it's a whole lot harder to behave it than it is to believe it. Amen? To live out what the Bible says in daily life. So that's what I want us to talk about this morning. How do we commit ourselves to behaving what we believe? Well, let's go back and let's look at the passage. We find it right here in this great passage. First of all, we behave what we believe by receiving his word. It begins with receiving or hearing the word. Now, I just said that it, it's important uh, that we behave what we believe, but we can't behave what we don't know. Would you agree with that? We can't live out what we don't know. So it's important that we hear the Word of God. Look at what he says in that, in that very first verse that, that we read there. It says in, in verse 19, it says uh, that we are to uh, be uh, swift to hear and slow to speak. We're to be swift to hear and slow to speak. When I was a, a child, my dad would often say to me, son, God gave you two ears and one mouth. Now, I can't believe my dad would say that to this quiet, introverted kid. But he would say, do you know why God gave you two ears and one mouth? I knew the answer, but I always say, would say, why, dad? He said, so you would listen more than you talk. And folks, let me tell you, it's important that before we speak, we hear. Amen? Slow to speak and swift to hear what God has to say to us. Now, that's on two levels. If you're taking notes, write this down. First of all, it's corporate. It's coming together as the body of Christ to hear the Word of God. We're going through a pandemic. We thought that was it was over i've just i finished an interim at concord baptist church over in claremont georgia north hall county almost white county and was there almost two years i was there through the pandemic and it's been one of the most difficult times that churches have ever been through i know you remember as i do that time when you were not able to meet in person at all everybody was meeting virtually and we pastors were standing and preaching to a camera no response, no amens, no nothing, just the camera. Folks, let me tell you, if it did anything, it has taught me how valuable our time together really is. How valuable it is to be able to come together as the body of Christ, to sing together, to fellowship with one another, to pray together, to worship together. And I know there are many who still can't do that. And there are many of you joining us virtually online today. And we're so glad that you're here. And we totally understand. But I hope this pandemic is going to go away and, and be eradicated. And then we'll all be able to be back together again in God's house. But the Bible says that we should come together corporately to hear God's word. But now listen to me very carefully. Not only corporately, we must hear individually as well. Now, I'm going to say something this morning, and I want you to, to, to hear it uh, before you tweet it. You know, <clears throat> we live in a, a, a very dangerous time today. I can say something, Pastor Fred can say something from this pulpit, and before we finish, you can tweet it out, and the whole world knows what we said or what you thought we said. <laughs> so what I'd say this morning, before you tweet this, hear everything I've got to say. 
Your pastor preaches God's word as God's word. Your pastor stands on the authority of God's word. Your pastor preaches that you should behave God's word. But I want you to hear me. Your pastor cannot give you enough of God's word on Sunday to take you through the week. You must also be in God's word for yourself. It's very important that you and I are in God's word and we're listening and hearing what God has to say to us. Be slow to speak and quick to hear. So, if we're to behave God's word, it begins with receiving God's word. And then, secondly, we must welcome God's word. You see, it's one thing to receive it, it's something else to welcome it. You know, Jesus told a parable of four soils, and he was talking about the delivery of God's word, and he said, God's word uh, it was sown as seed, is sown in a field. And he said, some fell on hard ground, and it wasn't received or welcomed. And others fell uh, on very shallow ground, and it sprung up. But then uh, it was quickly taken away. And others, other seed fell among the thorns, and it was choked out by worldly cares. But then there was seed that fell on good ground, and it multiplied. That is what it means to welcome God's word. Well... I want you to look at what this passage says. I, he says, also be slow to anger. And then when you look down in the passage, go back to it again. And I want you to, to, to look at verse 21. Actually, verses 20 and 21. He says, but the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. He says, uh, anger does not produce righteousness. And then in verse 21, he says, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. It's all about attitude. It's all about attitude. The focus on attitude actually begins in verse 19 when he says, uh, when he begins a discussion on anger. While this can, can speak to anger on any uh, level and in any area, I believe it specifically speaks to anger when it comes to the Word of God. You know what this is telling us? When God's Word speaks to those challenging areas of our lives, we must be careful not to become angry, but to have an open heart and an open mind. God's word is liberating, not restrictive. Do you believe that? The Bible says, look at verse 25. Skip all the way down to verse 25. He tells us. It says, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty. God's word sets us free. It, it is not restricted. I want you to hear this. I really believe this. People do not reject the Bible primarily they do not reject it because it contradicts itself, because the Bible doesn't contradict itself. It doesn't contradict itself. You know why people reject God's Word? Because it contradicts them. <laughs> it contradicts their lifestyle. You know, there's parts of this book I find very easy to read, to accept, to welcome. Some of it, I mean, it's just easy for me. But there's other parts that are very difficult for me. And isn't it amazing what may be easy for you is difficult for me? And what is easy for me may be difficult for you. 
And this is what I found. I, I found this in all my years of ministry. When someone gets a victory in one area of their life, God's word speaks, they hear it, they welcome it, they do it. God changes them in that area. Immediately, they become an expert for everybody else. All of a sudden, they're the expert. And if you haven't yet conquered that, boy, do they look down on you. Folks, we better be very careful. The Bible says, take heed to ourselves lest we also fall. Amen? But we are to welcome God's word. Why? Look at the last part. The last part I want you to see. This is very important. The last part of verse 21. It says, because it is able to save our... Now, that begins with salvation. When we receive the word of God... And we trust Jesus as our Savior. And our sins are forgiven. And we're giving you life. How many of you remember the day you were saved? How many of you remember when God opened his word to you and it came alive? And all of a sudden, uh, not only uh, did you see it as, as words on a page, but you saw it as the living word. And the living word pointed to Jesus, who is the word, and it changed your life. Yes, this is what that is speaking to, but it's also speaking to something else. It's speaking to you and me as believers. It's speaking to us who have been saved. You know what it's say, saying? It's able to save our souls as well. In other words... It will save us from a lot of misery and a lot of bad consequences. I mean, probably every one of us in this room at some time or the other, we've lived long enough that we can say, boy, I wish I had accepted God's word in this area of my life when I read it years ago. Because you see, God's word is able to protect us I, tell, I told my children as they were growing up, I said, you need to understand, if God has set boundaries, it's not because he's mad at you and he doesn't want you to enjoy life. If God has set a boundary, it's because he knows what will happen if you step over that boundary. He loves you enough and he cares about you enough. He wants to protect you. And that's what God's word does. It protects us. So listen. When God's word begins to speak, you're being tempted in an area of your life. Hey, and listen, let's not sit here this morning and think that we've been saved so long and we've been Christians so long. We're not tempted. We're all tempted. And when we're being tempted, how do we overcome? We overcome the same way Jesus did. We overcome by the word of God. When Satan tempted him in the wilderness choir, how did he respond? He responded every time with God's word. And that's how we respond. So, we must receive his word. We must welcome his word. But then the key verse in the entire passage, thirdly, we must obey his word. Look at what it says in verse 22. This entire passage is built around verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. He said, if you only listen and you don't obey, you're deceiving yourself. It's not doing you any good whatsoever. And then he uses a perfect illustration here. He talks about a mirror. He says, you can do one of two things with a mirror. You can glance at that mirror and change nothing about your appearance. 
Or you can spend some time in front of that mirror, and you can change your appearance and get ready for the day. And he says, that's like God's Word. We can glance at it, we can read it, and it not do anything for us. Or we can get into it and let it change us. Pastor Bob could tell you that we did a lot of youth retreats at our church over the years. And we would have a time for question and answer. And there were certain questions we always knew would be asked. Number one, about dating. We'd always get the dating questions. Number two, about the second coming. But I, I would also get this one. Larry, how much should I read in my quiet time? That's a good question. You know how I would answer that? It's not the amount you read. It's what you do with what you have read. It's not how much. I would rather you read one verse and it make a difference in your life today than three chapters and it do nothing whatsoever. Be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. Be a doer. I use another illustration. When I was in college, my major, I double majored in psychology and religion. And um, there were certain courses, you know, when you're, whatever you major in, there's certain courses you have to take. They're required. And you can't graduate without them. But there were other courses that were being taught where I went to school that I was just interested in. They were not part of my major. I didn't even have to take them. So I would audit those classes. Now, let me tell you the difference in taking a class and auditing a class. And when I took that class that I was required to take, I had to study, I had to take notes, I had to write the papers, I had to take the exam. When I audited a class, I didn't have to do anything but show up. I didn't have to remember anything I heard. I didn't have to take one note, write one paper, or take one exam. I loved those classes. But you know, the truth is, I think sometimes that's how we look at the Bible. We audit it rather than looking at it as a requirement for our lives. We just audit it. We just read it so we can check the box. Now, I know I'm about to date myself in this service, but how many of you remember when we had the envelopes where you checked off attendance and uh, when you came to church. How many, anybody else remember that? Yeah, I do. And, and if you read the Bible, you checked that box too. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but you know how I read it so often so I could get all the check marks because I, I'm one of those people that's just, you know, I got to fill in all the blanks. Yeah, I'm one of those people taking notes. I got to fill in all the blanks. And it drives me crazy if I don't get all the blanks filled in. And, and I'm one of those people, if there's five check boxes, I got to check them all or I feel like I've not accomplished anything. When time management systems came out, I, it, listen, it almost killed me because I had this to-do list. And if I didn't do all of them in a day, I had failed. <laughs> That's the way I was thinking. So often I would read the Bible just so I could check that box. What I needed to do was read the Bible so I could put a check in my life and help me live the way I needed to live. So, we must receive it. We must welcome it. We must obey it. And then finally, I want you to look. We must apply it to daily life. Do you know the most practical book ever written is the Bible? It's very practical. There's not one issue in your life that you will address that's not covered, at least in principle, in this book. Finances, covered. Marriage, covered. Parenting, covered. 
How to live as a single adult in today's world? Covered. How to live in a complex world like we live in now that has changed so much? How to live in a world where there's so many ideologies and so many different beliefs and, and, and so much controversy out there? Covered. It's all covered. It's all covered. Eternal life, what happens after you die? Covered. How to go to heaven? Covered. How to have your sin forgiven? Covered. 100%. So he says we're to apply it. And then he deals with three areas. Let me give them to you quickly. Three areas specifically. Number one, we must obey, apply his word to the words we speak. Oh, my. Look at this passage. James says in verse 26, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not control his tongue, he's deceiving himself and his religion is useless. Wow. You know, James deals a lot with the tongue. This little book's only five chapters long, but it's so packed with practical living. And he deals a lot with the tongue. You look at chapter 3, and he, he spends many verses on it. Here, he spends one. But he says we're to obey God's word in the words we speak. In other words, God's word, listen, God's word should control the words that come out of our mouths. Now, I'm going to take this to another level. When James was speaking, Oral language was the most primary language. It was what someone said. But let me tell you, folks, today in our world, it's not just what I say to you standing in this pulpit. It's also, now get ready, hang on, what we put on social media. Now, I get asked this, is social media good or bad? It's neutral. It's how we use it. But folks, I am really concerned that many Christians today are using social media in such a way that it's ruining the testimony of Christ. Now, I want you to hear me. I know we all got opinions. Every one of us got opinions on everything. I've seen it a lot recently, mask or no mask. And I don't know where you fall, and I'm not here to cover that. That's not my thing. I support you if you wear one. I support you if you don't. But let me tell you what I can't support and we should never support, and that is us being unchristian in our response to any subject or any topic. Amen? We need to be careful what we put on social media. Well, it's my opinion. Can I tell you something? I love you. I care about you. I want to be a friend. I was a friend when I came. I want to be a friend when I leave. But I want you to hear me this morning. The testimony of Jesus Christ is much more important than your opinion. And the testimony of Jesus Christ is much more important than the opinion of Larry Wynn. We need to be very careful that what we put out there is uplifting, it's encouraging, and it speaks to the truthfulness of the Word of God, not our opinion. Amen? we got to apply the Word. See, it does get practical. Now, see, you know what I said a while ago? Don't get angry when you hear the Word of God. Uh, 
So if you just got angry at what I said, don't shoot the messenger. Take it up with the author, all right? Take it up with the author. And by the way, when I start getting angry when I hear preaching, it's normally because it's convicting me. You say, you're just digging that hole deeper, aren't you? <laughs> but it's true. We do, do need to apply the Word of God in Word, but not only in Word. Look at what else he says here. We're also to apply God's Word in our work, and especially in our work as believers in Christ. Now, he speaks specifically to orphans and widows, and the Bible says we're to take care of those. We're to take care of those people groups, and we're to care. And if you read the Scripture, not only specifically those groups, but in general, we should have compassion for others. Brother, I am so glad you guys are going on this mission trip. That's carrying out this passage. I'm so glad you're starting this house. It's carrying out this passage. It's living out the Word of God. Folks, listen to me. The greatest testimony we can give the world today is to be active in our Christianity and to do something that makes a difference in the name of Jesus Christ. The most, listen. We should be witnesses with our words, but I'm telling you how we live speaks very loudly to the people around us, and it opens doors for the gospel to be shared. We need to open those doors. And then thirdly, in our walk, in our behavior, we should do everything we can to protect the testimony of Jesus Christ in how we live our lives on a daily basis. We're to behave what we believe. We're to live it out in a world that needs Jesus in such a way that we're a testimony to Christ. Amen, church? Amen. Let's pray together. Heads are bowed. This morning, thank you for letting me speak and letting me speak the truth. I believe today that God is speaking. Maybe you're, you've joined us virtually. You've joined us online. And you've had questions about eternal life, about salvation, about what it means to have Jesus in your life. We would love to have, help you with that. Reach out to this church. Let us help. But from right where you are today, either in this room or online, you can say yes to Jesus. Maybe someone invited you to tune in or someone invited you to come to this church and You've watched them, and you see them. They're not perfect, but you see them trying to live out God's Word the best they can through the Holy Spirit and God's strength. And you want that Jesus in your life. Today, you can trust Him. You say, well, Larry, I don't even know how. How do I trust Christ? It's, it's very simple. Jesus loves you so much. He gave His life. He died for you. He sacrificed himself on a cross to take all your sin that you may have his righteousness, that you may be brought into a relationship with God. And the only way that can happen is through what Jesus did on the cross. So this morning, as you're sitting in this service, or you're watching online, would you ask Jesus to be your Savior? Simply pray something like this. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. And today I trust you as my Savior. I accept you 
into my life. And thank you for forgiving my sin. And now I want to live for you. If today you would do that, God's promised in his word that he will forgive you of your sin and he will enter into your life. But the Bible says that when we trust Jesus, we're not to keep it secret. In the service this morning, we're going to have leaders from this church, pastor leaders from this church standing right here in front of this pulpit area. We're going to stand and we're going to have what we call an invitation. It's not going to be long. It's going to be a song. And I'm inviting you to come to one of the pastors today and say yes to Jesus. Or to come today and say, I've trusted him and I'm unashamed and now I'm taking that public stand. Or maybe you're here today and you're a Christian, but God's leading you to be part of this great church and you've been thinking about it for a long time. No better day than today to make this your church. Or maybe today you just want to come to this altar and pray there's something going on in your life you want to pray about or you want to pray for your church, you want to pray for this mission team or pray for this, this wonderful, wonderful expression of love through, through this house that's being started here in this community. I'm going to pray, we're going to stand, we're going to have our time of invitation. You respond today as God speaks to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. Thank you so much for loving us the way you do. And thank you for reminding us today it's not enough just to believe it, but we're to live it as well. I pray it in Jesus' name. Would you stand?